Hello, extra time. Part of the league, not to get a hold because it, it damages your reputation. It, it makes people, when they read it, just laugh at you. Single block, they're playing in the league one, and they're playing in the Europa League, and they're playing in the game in this country. Maybe we should get to the the IMC. Welcome along to the return of the extra time that a sportscast. I'm Declan Maron, joined in studio by Dave Donnelly. Dave, you're just back from the Carlisle grounds where Cork and Shawnee Maguire were once again triumphant together. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, Sean McGuire's last game in a, a Cork City shirt in the Premier Division, uh, along with Kevin O'Connor, who didn't didn't play the game, but uh, it's his uh, his last hurrah as well. But uh, yeah, it was a quite it was a quite uh, convincing win by Cork, although they had a bit of a, a bit, bit of a dry spell in the middle where Bray might have might have snatched a goal. But uh, overall, uh, Cork with a better side. Uh, Sean McGuire in particular was uh, an absolute terror for the defence. He dragged them out of position. He did almost everything. He created a goal for himself more or less. He came back in the midfield and. Almost created a second for himself. He could easily have had a hat trick or more. So uh, yeah, he, he's even booked for diving. So it was the the, the ultimate performance, I suppose. Yeah, plenty going on. And and how were Bray in the match? Uh, Bray played quite well. They uh, I've seen them a few times recently in the Carnell grounds. They've been they've been up and down. They had they had a very poor game against Dundalk. Obviously the day when the the statement was released at half time, which I think uh, was distracting them a bit. But uh, they 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 played better today. But they were they were second best for most of it. But equally they. They had a goal disallowed. They they could equally have gotten gotten something out of it. So, yeah, often the case. I think when I've seen them so far this season, um, how how easy is it going to be to replace Sean? He's, he's not going to be. They're not going to find anyone like him, are they? Now they're probably well enough clear in the league to, to have maybe a comfortable couple of weeks. But uh, yeah, they're going to find it tough without him. Yeah, we were just talking about it at the match actually. Yeah, yeah. Um, they brought in Akile Campion from from Sligo Rovers at the start of the season, and he's. He's gotten an awful lot of game time, but he hasn't done an awful lot even today. He he missed an open goal more or less, so he's uh, I think he still has a bit of bit of work to do to establish himself as number one there. But there's there's really no there's no replacement for Sean Sean Maguire. He's he's probably the best player that's been in the league in the last twelve months, certainly uh, since uh, Daryl Horgan left. So he's 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 irreplaceable at this point. But uh, be interesting to see if if John Caulfield is able to tempt somebody else in, maybe somebody from outside the league like Pat Hoban or somebody who was formerly in the league like Mikey Drennan. But there's there's really no 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 straight replacement. Yeah, I'd be more concerned in terms of he drags a lot of performances up a lot of the time. I think some of the players um, look better when he's around. I think that's mostly mostly the case of some of the best players in, around the world, in fairness. Um, and, and just on the subject of Bray, while we're talking a little bit about them, there's been plenty written about them in recent weeks, and particularly this week with the whole squad being uh, placed on a transfer list. But what, what exactly is the situation there? Uh, the situation is that for the last couple of weeks, um, Bray Wanderers have uh, released a few statements that have. Uh, they've also been in contact with the players themselves and the players' union, and there's been a few contrasting stories that come out. The the PFAI say that um, the players were told on a Monday morning after the Dundalk game that uh, there was only enough money to to pay them into the next week uh, subsequently it's been said by Dennis O'Connor the chairman that that didn't actually happen uh, that they have secured funding and then later on the FAI said they haven't secured funding per se but they have uh, agreed to search in principle to look for, to for look for funding or continue to search for funding so it's unclear what exactly is going on but in terms of the players themselves they've been paid up until the end of the month and the I suppose the the sticky issue for the players now is that at the end of the month the transfer window uh, closes so any player who's kind of worried about not being paid until the end of the season they want to get out this month but uh, obviously if they've been paid till the end of the month there's no, no way they can get out unless they 
get a either get a move by the the club agreeing to to send them out or by their contract being broken some some other way. But at the moment, it seems like um, the players' only route out is probably going to be coming to a mutual agreement with the club. Yeah, and I should uh, actually specify the place themselves on the transfer list. In fairness, do you think many of them will get moves? I, I can see one or two maybe finding finding clubs. I've heard one or two linked places as well, but uh, I'm not sure with regards to the entire squad putting themselves on the list. You'd, you'd fear for some of them. Well, it de- again, it depends on uh, what circumstances the move come on, comes under. Uh, Dylan Connolly had a had a good offer, a financial settlement with Dundalk, and obviously that was enough to tempt the club to to release him from his contract. Um, I, there, there is talk that Stephen Kenny is also interested in Aaron Green, who particularly today was was immense, and I think for the whole season has been a, a a better player so far this season than Dylan Connolly has. But um, apart from Green, I I really don't see anybody leaving the club unless they find some way to settle their contract with Bray themselves there's a few players who would certainly improve other teams around them like uh, the, the likes of Keith Buckley has been playing very well Mark Salmon even in midfield there's an awful lot of good players in there but uh, maybe players that uh, would find it difficult to, to find a club to actually shell out an awful lot of money to get them in and uh, has, has there been much talk of Harry Kenny or, or has he said much himself about his future because surely he'd have something to say about how all this has gone down I've not really heard him quoted all that much uh, I think his hands are tied a bit. He was. He did comment after the uh, the original story came out in terms of the players being told that the, the money wasn't quite there to pay to pay up their contracts. Uh, he came out and said how disappointed he was. And I know I've spoken an awful lot to Harry Kenny over the past couple of years, and he's really excited about the project they have going. And Bray's been really excited about all the work they've been doing behind the scenes, and in terms of the underage structures getting involved with. Um, St. Joseph's boys uh, getting hold of the um, the old Bective Rangers ground uh, down there for training purposes. There's been an awful lot of good work that has gone on behind the scenes at Bray, and Harry Kenny has been at the forefront of a lot, an awful lot of that. And I think it's um, I think it's very personally disappointing for him what's happened. But uh, in terms of the club, it seems to be for the moment anyway. It seems to be stable, so that's um, that's the best you can hope for. But in terms of their their European challenge, I think it's kind of flagging at this point, and it can't have helped. Uh, the fact they're losing one of their best players and all the uncertainty going on behind the scenes. Yeah, really wouldn't be surprised to see them plummet at all now, although I, I think we were talking a bit before we started recording saying we've been saying that for a couple of weeks. Uh, just a quick word from you then, Dave, on uh, the summer friendlies. Uh, sort of you wrote during the week there about if it's, its sort of benefits and its, uh, its sort of costs. Uh, most notably, I thought really striking in the piece was the talk of James Forrest being praised for going fairly well in all the Scottish papers when re- in reality he's, he's facing it trialist and, and a couple of players like that and wouldn't go as far as saying it's damaging to the league maybe some people will think that I suppose in, in reality there is there's got to be a degree of that when you look at this and you see all the reporting of nine nil hammerings but uh, yeah how damaging do you think that is compared to as you said the benefits specifically to Shamrock Rovers yeah well this all stemmed from um, uh, on the day of the friendly on, on Twitter we had a, a little bit of a I suppose we sent out a bit of a question just asking for opinions on um, what people feel about summer friendlies, whether they're whether they're a worthwhile exercise or whether uh, cases like this, where there's quite a heavy hammering against a team that's not fully representative of what the club is about, whether that's more damaging uh, than maybe the, the financial gain, the short-term financial gain can be. And I suppose uh, my my interest out of that was I want to see well if it is a PR own goal, if the perception is out there that it's it's a bad thing, if it's if it's damaging the league's perception. I wanted to look at what the actual perception was and for that I looked at um, 
the Scottish media who were over there was a, a pack of them about seven or eight I saw at the game um, they didn't seem hugely interested in, in Rovers obviously because they're, they're Celtic they're Celtic Rangers supporters or not supporters sorry yeah, reporters they're over <laughs> to watch um, over to watch the, over to watch Celtic obviously and see how they're going but um yeah, there, there was there was no mention in in any of the Scottish reporting that I saw. Uh, obviously, there's probably print only editions. Maybe they were they had, yeah. they had a bit more information. But what I saw was uh, almost universally it was mentioning how um, how easily Celtic overcame their League of Ireland opposition or how they crushed them. Different words like that, you know. Um, it was uh, none of it was was as well as reflective of the team that Rovers put out there, which was a mix of mainly 17, 18 year olds players who. Uh, apart from a couple hadn't really played any senior football so they were coming up against you know Champions League levels players playing at an an intensity that was not far away from what they what they played on Friday afternoon against Linfield in the Champions League so it was always going to be a really difficult sell but uh, I think maybe the perception is out there to a point that Rovers first team got rolled over by Celtic which to be fair maybe if they had played a full team maybe they would have been rolled over anyway but um to a certain extent that perception I suppose is out there but uh, I suppose that's the thing that you can't you can't really measure whether Rovers got in I've heard anything up to a six week or something for that game whether is that worth the PR uh, I suppose is that worth having a bad PR experience with the game and losing by a lot of goals and maybe not attracting those new fans or would it have been better to put out a competitive team get maybe a narrow win or narrow narrow draw obviously all draws are narrow narrow defeat maybe but um, would have been better maybe to entice a few new new fans through the stands so it's it's something that you really can't measure you can only really look at it over time but uh, I suppose uh, that's the that was, yeah. the, that was the question I posed it's, and it's, it's very much a short term gain isn't it it's it's uh, and, and I don't blame clubs in the slightest I, would, I wouldn't have a go at Rovers at all for, for uh, taking those on and, and certainly making that money I suppose at the end of the day the one benefit comes from a uh, chance of underestimating Sligo and whoever else it is who are in the Iron Brew Cup yeah, well, <laughs> oh, we'll, see, we'll see how that goes. And Bray Wanderers, uh, they're, they're still se- scheduled, obviously, to, to go into that cup as well. But uh, one thing I should also mention is that um, in terms of Brendan Rodgers himself, I think he, um, I don't think he expected the, re- the Celtic manager, obviously, I don't think he expected to be playing a full-strength team. Obviously, he knew what, what game there was two, da- two days beforehand, the win over Stjernan in the, in the Europa League. So I don't think he was expecting to play anything other than, the se- than a... Uh, second string team but in terms of his in terms of his outlook he probably wanted just a team that's in the middle of their season that are fit that are strong uh, and that he can get a good train and exercise and get up to speed without too many injuries and I think that was what he got and it was inter- interesting to read um, Rovers played a friendly against Burnley on Friday night uh, two Irish scorers John Walters and Robbie Brady scored in a 4-0 win but um, the comments were from Sean Dyche the Burnley manager were very much that he knew they were going to play a second string team and that they got what they wanted out of it and I think Celtic I think they probably got what they wanted out of it too so as far as that goes I'd say it's, it's close enough to win-win Yeah it's a little bit of, of profile for about Celtic and uh, and, and Burnley in that respect I, I, I just wonder about the scheduling of the games though like is there any point in that? Is there, would it not be more beneficial and better for the profile 
to get it at, at a time when they're not in the middle of a couple of European fixtures. The same way with the scheduling of the is it the Manchester United Sampdoria game. If Dundalk are to qualify, that's gonna that's gonna clash. You just wonder what's going on with these. I, I know it's sometimes you have to kind of uh, fit a lot into a small period in the in the Irish uh, league and and in the Irish calendar generally with that kind of stuff. But you just have to have a few questions about that. It's, it seems madness. Yeah, well, it's, I suppose it's just uh, it's it's unavoidable. Um, the English preseason, when English th- English teams and UK teams are going to be looking for games, is exactly when the European qualifiers are on. So the only way that that's not going to happen is if Irish teams are advancing beyond that stage and don't have to play those one games, which isn't going to happen anytime soon. So there's going to be a clash. So in terms of uh, Celtic set up the game because they needed a game, they wanted a game against the team in the middle of their season. Uh, they came to Ireland and I looked, at, I looked at it last week the only two teams that they could actually have played that weren't playing the game either the day before the day after a couple of days after were Bohemians and Dundalk and obviously Dundalk had already moved their game with Bohemians to so that in order to have a week's preparation for their game at Rosenberg and um, Bowles already had a game scheduled at the weekend with FC United and Manchester so really there was there was nobody they could, ha- they could have to pick a League of Ireland teams but they'd all have been in the same situation that have had to pay, play a second string so they chose Rovers and as far as I'm concerned they, they got what they wanted from it so I don't think there's any harm in it really and in terms of Burnley as well you know there's something else you can do that's the only time they can play a game they wanted a game Rovers are happy to accommodate them everybody's made a bit of money so you know happy days you can subscribe to each new episode of the extratime.ie sportscast on iTunes please give a rating or add a comment there to let us know your views yeah, going back to Bray then, um, I know Derry had a chance to leapfrog them and, and climb a bit in the league uh, during the week there. You were at that game as well? Yeah, uh, they were beaten 2-1 by uh, St. Patrick's Athletic at Richmond Park uh, and a richly deserved win for St. Patrick's Athletic as well. I was, I was quite disappointed with Derry actually as it happened on a few occasions, including the last time I saw them when they played in the Carlisle grounds about three, three or four weeks ago uh, when they lost 3-2 just before their um, just before their European games there. But uh yeah, it was a strange one. Pats haven't Pats haven't really clicked at all this season, but they they look like a, like the Pats team of old. I think uh, with Killian Brennan in there in the middle, and they just looked a bit more solid. They were, they were playing with a bit more confidence. They seemed to have a bit more uh, sort of a, they were taking in the engine room the way they maybe haven't been with the with the younger players in there in the, for the past few months. So uh, yeah, they they scored two terrific goals as well. Particularly the the winning goal there was a lovely crossfield pass about. 40-50 yards from Rory Field he sent a half uh, Conan Byrne took it amazingly in the stride it was perfect like straight in the stride just took the ball one touch uh, came inside and squared it and Graham Kelly scored the winner but uh, they'd uh, Pats had gone behind just before half time uh, very much against the against the run of play although Conor O'Malley made uh, one of his patented um, save of the seasons right beforehand tipping a Harry Monaghan shot onto the bar but uh, from the from the subsequent corner Ronald Curtis put uh, Derry one up just before half time but uh, second half just as the first half had been it was more or less all pats and they, they very much deserved their win and they, they climb out of the relegation zone now they're up to up to uh, ninth position I think just behind Finn Harps but um, yeah uh, obviously it's it's worked out very well with Bray and Derry both losing it's worked out quite well for Sean McRovers once again as we were saying with the, with the friendlies uh, they've made a bit of money happy days they've also, they've uh, gained without, without even playing. They've gained 
gained a few gained a little bit of ground in there to uh, rivals for third place in European football next season Absolutely with regards to Pats I mean it's always a question I feel uh, maybe not just me but few people ask when it comes to, to Pats the story with Fagan because I remember the start of the year with Dundalk and he's just not really at the ground running at all uh, I know they gave him a two year deal at the start of the year it's not really worked out so far yeah, well, that's mainly been a fitness thing. I think he just hasn't he hasn't been able to to consistently stay fit this season, and he's he's just seems a bit a bit a bit off where he where he was and where he has been for so many seasons when he's been until the emergence of Shawnee Maguire. He's really been for me the best the best striker in the league the last five years. So he even missed again yesterday. He missed a great chance. He was put through um, by who who's it putting through? Uh, was it Graham Kelly? Somebody put him through anyway, and um, it's true on goal. It was the kind of chance that you'd expect Fagan to score nine times out of ten, but he drilled into the side netting. And the only time I've really see, seen Fagan finish the way we know that he can was against Rovers in the 1 1 draw just before the break there. We, he had half a chance and he banged it into the top corner, but that, that's the Christy Fagan that we know. We haven't quite seen him this season, but uh, I don't know if, if Pats can get motoring again, if they can get the likes of Brennan in the middle Owen Garvin serving a band now for getting sent off in his debut but when he comes back in if, if they if they do get motoring in there they they could definitely shoot up the table quite quickly Absolutely and just on the subject of Derry as well I've, I've found them a very interesting team to follow this year in terms of there's so much potential I think in that team such an excellent team and they work well together I think what they lacked maybe a little bit this year um, in ter- well maybe they've, they've been let down big time by the European run which gave them such a tough draw early on I look at someone like Rovers for example uh, have won their, their first round there and you know they're still with a chance of the second round Rovers realistically but I feel like looking at that team that's a team that would sort of form quite well having had a, co- a bit of European experience a bit of top level experience and to be all the better from it I wonder has that been taken away a bit from Derry now because I've sort of been waiting on that waiting on Derry's challenge and, and waiting on that team really tying in and kicking on. Now, the defending has been poor quite a lot of the season, actually, but I, I wonder, is, is that going to be a big factor for Derry now? They've lost the European football uh, so early, which is a, just a little bit of a disappointment. It sort of takes the sort of big hype of the next couple of weeks away from them a bit. I wonder, yeah. is that going to affect their, their league form a little? Yeah, well, in Derry's case, I just think um, the European that they got was just, it's just a rotten draw. They were never going to win that game, so it was yeah. kind of they were on a hide into nothing. I think, and even uh, Kenny Shields' body language in advance of it, I think, was just sort of uh, it was a little bit, a little bit off. He just, he, I, I just think he was, sort of, I think he was dreading the match rather than looking forward to it, which isn't really the, isn't really the way he should be going into Europe. But in terms of Derry, in terms of how young their team is, there, uh, Kenny Shields is talking during the week uh, to extra time about um, he wanted to ensure that. The, uh, as he calls them he has his little catchphrases he calls them the checkbook managers um, he wanted them to stay away from his squad because um, what they really need to do is keep keep this young squad keep the likes of Aaron McAniff Ronan Curtis uh, Nathan Boyle uh, Josh Daniels lads who are 19, 20, 21 keep them together at the club for a few years at least until they go on and develop and maybe go overseas but um uh, I suppose at the other end of that, what you can't ignore about Derry this season is the sad passing of Ryan McBride. Uh, they were five out of five unbeaten at the start of the season, and obviously we all we all know the, the tragedy that happened, and um, uh, that's that's really 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 upset them. And I think they they haven't really fully recovered from it, and uh, not just in terms of the emotional impact, but from from a footballing perspective, just the he was a colossal player at the back he was he was their organiser their leader at the back and they they really haven't had that even down to 
even down to the to, to the loss in Bray a few weeks ago they conceded three goals direct from direct from set plays and Kenny said after the game that their big problem is that they can't they can't defend set plays and they went into the game in Denmark a couple of weeks later and immediately conceded two goals from set plays in the first 10 minutes so it's I, I suppose it's just there's a deficit of experience that's quite difficult for a club like Derry to to overcome considering they, they draw mostly from players that come from within the city and when a certain number of those players like likes Patrick McLaney leave to go on to better things it's really difficult for them to replace it and I know they brought in Nicky Lowe from uh, Dundee on loan this season he's 20, 26, 27 he's provided a bit bit of that sort of experience in the middle but apart from that there it's very difficult for a club like Derry who maybe aren't playing what the likes of Sean McGrovers or Dundalk or Cork City are it's difficult for them to bring in experienced players who can do that sort of job and it'll be very interesting to see how Kenny Shields goes over the over the winter break if he can bring in those sorts of players who can really um, bring out the best in the likes of McInef the likes of Curtis all those exciting young players and I suppose that wasn't the only upset of the weekend as well you had uh, Finn Harps well from my point of view I actually really fancy Bowes for that game but Finn Harps beating Bowes uh, did you catch much of that game? Uh, well I only sort of kept up with the with the, um, I suppose the online commentary uh, Bowes took the lead midway through the first half very quickly pegged back and then Harps got a, a winner in the second half but uh, that's Harps that's two wins on the bounce now they be, they won away in Drogheda as well so they're on a they're on a run of form they were they were a good few points behind Bowles and now they're within I think six points of them so uh, Bowles are maybe being sucked sucked in a little bit back towards that relegation zone with the with the teams below them picking up points I, I could see Bowles I could see them sort of kicking on the next and although I did say this a couple of weeks ago but I could see them kicking on a bit now and, and probably getting to getting to safety in the next couple of weeks but if you, if you had to look at it at the moment where, where do you see the, the main teams being dragged down I suppose are, are Harps doing enough at the moment to suggest that they can keep this up and get out of it because I mean they were the definite relegation uh, candidate at the start of the year. Yeah, they've had a bit of a wobble in the middle of the season. They've had a lot, lot of injuries, as Harps tend to do, and uh, they brought a few players in. They brought in uh, Ibrahim Keita, I believe he's called, from... Um, he's a former Wolverhampton Wanderers player, and uh, he's been brought in there. He made his debut in the game there, and up front, they, they've lost Kieran O'Connor, who's uh, as part of the, the the horse trading around Dundalk, having the, the game with Bohemians moved back a couple of weeks ago. Um, Kieran O'Connor has come back from his loan of Finn Harps and he's gone from Dundalk to Bohemians now until the end of the season so um, the, Eddie Desan has scored two goals in two games he seems to have stepped up uh, Danny Morrissey has been playing up front he came in from Cork during the summer and uh, during, during the winter sorry and he's um, he's he's looking looking well leading the line there so uh, yeah there's there's an awful lot of talent of Finn Harris particularly with Paddy McCourt my, my favourite player in the league in the world behind <laughs> behind um, playing in behind so there's plenty of creativity there there's plenty of, plenty of good players there and They'd be my tip for kind of pulling away from it, but also, as you say, I think I think Bohemians will as well. I've been very impressed with them over the past little while. You know, their game in hands against Cork City, which is kind of a a hiding to nothing, I suppose. But um, they, yeah, I, I, they have enough quality certainly certainly to win games. So I, th- I think they'll pull away. Perhaps they'll pull away. It's between the the four other teams down there to kind of sort out the three relegation places between them I think yeah I look forward to trying to get Paddy McCart on the show in a couple of weeks time now um, if I had to push you for three teams then if, if I pushed you right now I, I, my three at the start of the year I thought were Harps uh, Drogheda and Galway now Harps I, I reckon are probably one of the teams that are kicking out to safety but I'd still probably go with the, the, the other two and maybe an unquestionable third 
Yeah, it's, it's hard to make judgments because every week a different team wins and you can't really judge a team on a couple of games because it's so easy to so easy for them to win to lose a couple of games as well. But in terms of, I think Drogheda United are looking in serious, serious trouble. Uh, they've lost Killian Brennan, obviously, uh, Mark Griffin. They've lost uh, Garrett McCaffrey over the past few years. He scored a few goals in the past few months, sorry. Uh, he scored a lot of goals from this year, but... Um, yeah, I think they're going to find it very difficult. They're not scoring any goals. I know they got a goal yesterday against uh, Sligo Rovers, but they're really not scoring. They're going to find it very difficult to pick up points. Sligo the same. They did get that win against Shamrock Rovers last week, but obviously it was a tired Rovers team. Uh, by all accounts, yeah. Rovers had probably the better chances in the game. So They never uh, got that new manager bounce at all, Sligo, either. I'd be very worried for that because it never really looked... Well, nothing looks like it's massively changed. Yeah, well, Jared uh, Little came in, and I think his... his uh, the first thing he, he, after watching his first game, the first thing he said to reporters after the game was, "My players aren't fit enough," which is always a bit of a always bit a of a start. warning sign. But it's also I don't know. Sometimes managers come in and they want to kind of give people a, a bit of a boot up the the rear end in terms of, uh, you know, in terms of not just his own squad, but in terms of maybe looking at the boardroom and trying to get uh, a few new players in. But um, yeah, I don't think they they haven't really consistently kicked on. They've had a couple of couple of big wins I suppose since he's came in but they've had a couple of hammerings too so they're up and down I, d- I don't know I, I, I don't know honestly I I think they're they're in trouble and um, along with along with Galway United I think they're in trouble Galway aren't losing, t- losing too many games but they're not winning games either so it's going to come down to whoever can win games rather than whoever can not lose games Log on to extratime.ie Looking ahead to the European games next week then. Well, we'll have a look, I suppose, here, Dave, at who we expect will go through. I suppose we'll start with Rosenberg-Dundalk. Uh, fairly big game for Dundalk. I watched the first leg on RTE there the other night. Um, I thought Dundalk... I was actually a little bit disappointed with Dundalk in the second half. I thought all in all they, they performed amicably against a really, really negative Rosenberg side. Really sat back. Didn't really ever seem to get into the game. Got that lucky goal. With Gart- Gartland's relatively poor mistake, I didn't. I've only watched the the replay once or twice, but I was I was disappointed for Gartland because I actually think he's an excellent player, but he's made a couple of sort of high profile mistakes. But I think bar that, Rosenberg grew into it a bit in the second half. I would really fancy them. I think generally going into the next game, but uh, for my money, watching any European football going all the way back to one actually I mentioned uh, on another show um, if you remember Liverpool years ago when they won the Champions League had to go back and play a bunch of teams the likes of TNS mm. and all in the first couple of rounds and I remember even watching those games and they sat back and you're yeah. like this is this is amateur Welsh sides like uh, you should be tearing them apart so I would fear that Rosenberg might turn it on now at home I don't think they'll be quite as negative I don't think they'll be sort of hoping um, for a, a lucky away goal in that same manner they'll have to try and take it to Dundalk I'm not sure if Dundalk enjoy that actually as much when, when teams try and take it to them it's hard to know um, yeah it, it's the question of whether whether Rosenberg were negative or whether they just had adequate respect for Dundalk it's hard to tell but um, yeah I think the Dundalk have earned an awful lot of respect from last year's run and uh, so just how just how good the team are as well so yeah um, yeah, I agree more or less with you about the game. I thought Dundalk were easily the better team in the first half. I just think that they were they were just sort of a, I suppose, a sucker punch right at the end of the first half. That Rosenberg goal, and as soon as they got that, Rosenberg kind of knew that they could sort of, um, you know, relax a bit. They could play a bit more of their football. And when Dundalk looked to look to take the game to them again, so I think it it kind of uh, it, it suited Rosenberg, I suppose, to uh, to maybe up the tempo a little bit and. Not not be quite so defensive, but uh, 
yeah, I, I thought it was a missed opportunity for Dundalk, but we also have to commend them on just how well they played because having lost Daryl Horgan, having lost Andy Boyle, having lost even Ronan Finn, uh, you know, it's a huge amount of uh, I suppose turnover for any yeah. team to to take, and the fact that they are basically playing at the level that they were playing at this stage last season in the Champions League they have to be commended for that absolutely I think if I think going forward if you give that squad a bit more time and depth as we were saying about Connolly uh, earlier on today Connolly I think he could well be one of those really big impact players you could see they were trying to hit him and, and use his, his pace quite a lot and, and you could see in time if he, he doesn't look like he's at that level just yet he fell down a few times a few bits like that but you could definitely see him being the man to come on and cause havoc for a team like that um, really kick on so I think I, I hope they manage to, to swing this game now because it would really it would kind of keep that story going on you don't want them to just sort of fizz out here have to rebuild the team all over again they've done remarkably well I think to remain at this level as you said against a team like Rosenborg who I mean it's no mean feat if you go back a couple of years ago you talk a game like this you wouldn't have given Dundalk much of a chance at all um, they've got you wouldn't say they have any big names now Rosenborg Venice Nicholas Bentner is not, not a big name and he, he even he, I thought, looked very poor in this, which is something I'm sure many people have predicted for many years. Um, we'll have a look at a few of the other games then. You were at the Shamrock Rovers game. Yeah, um, they lost 3-2 to Mlada Boleslav uh, from the Czech Republic. Uh, it was... I thought Rovers played very well. It was uh, it was an untypical European game, I suppose, as you mentioned um you mentioned uh, your experience watching Liverpool or whatever a few years ago and uh, seeing away teams come to uh, supposedly smaller teams and sitting back and not really playing an awful lot of football. The Rovers game was incredibly open, actually. Uh, the Rovers, I thought, were the better side, not 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 by a huge distance, but the better side up until up until the 35 minute or so mark when Lada got their their first goal, uh, which was a very well worked goal, a very clinical goal. Uh, it was just a, a few passes, sort of a sent them on their way and it was a good cross a great finish and um, Rovers were in trouble and then after after the break Graham Burke hit what will go down as one of the best goals you'll see in Tallis Stadium I suppose for, for an awful long time he uh, took a throw in didn't even take a touch just let it roll past him and hit it straight into the top corner from at 35 yards it was an incredible goal but um, again now they came back they, they got a goal it was another very clinical goal then Towards the end, they got they got that third goal right after, right after a great save denied Rovers an equaliser. Uh, they went straight down and got a soft goal. But the last injury time, two minutes in, into injury time, a mistake at the back, and Rovers got got back to three two. So, well, it's a very very difficult ask with the with the three away goals conceded already. They're in the tie anyway. It's going to be very very difficult, but they're in the tie. So the problem so I think for Rovers the next game is that they, and most of the time in the league actually they just don't look all that solid defensively they don't look like they no, not that they lack structure I think they lack discipline sometimes I think the heads go I think that the evidence comes with all the red cards the top of the table for red cards this season but I'd be a little bit worried for them I was disappointed with the score I didn't actually watch the game but I was disappointed with the score when I heard about it I still think they're capable of some, as you said the likes of Burke there's some really big players in there who I really hope they manage to, to stick it out uh, I think Europe would be great for some of those lads I think they'd really come on the, the profile of player they have I think is suited to that they're a team that could very very much develop into quite a force if if they're allowed to but uh, yeah still a bit loose at the back most of the time I would say yeah well the thing is that uh, the, their 
as a team they're they're behind Dundalk they're behind Cork in terms of their development so this really is a bonus round that they're in at the moment they're unseeded in the first round so to, to have come through that to have come through that with two clean sheets as well which has been something that's, yeah, that's really cool. evaded Rovers this season um, they're actually scoring goals as well which anyone who's watched kind of Rovers over the past five years they've, they haven't been a free scoring team under Stephen Kenny under Trevor Crawley or under Pat Fennan so they're finally sort of starting to score goals they're, they're looking to outscore teams rather than you know Nick a one nil, which is probably not the probably not the greatest attitude in Europe, but it's certainly um, it's certainly exciting, and I think it's uh, it's positive for their, their their development as well as because they're going into a in a way European tie with a a chance, and I suppose the realistic expectation of at least scoring a goal or two and giving themselves an opportunity to maybe come away with an upset. And finally, we look at uh, Eglornica. Uh, they lead one nil going into the second game with Cork. Are we going to see? Maybe one last Shawnee Maguire hurrah here, kind of bailed him out. Well, it would bring the would bring the story to a satisfying conclusion, I suppose. Um, obviously, uh, Cork got one stage further than this last season, but uh, yeah, in terms of the ask, I suppose it's a it's a huge ask. Um, the the game on Thursday, they they probably went into it with realistic expectations of at least getting a result to take over there. They'll be extremely disappointed to have uh, gone away with a one 0 loss, particularly to a, a set piece goal that was very much very sloppy very very preventable and I think the one thing John Coffey has brought into the side over the past three or four years is he's made them very very well structured uh, very unlikely to concede goals that are sloppy in that way so they'll be particularly disappointed in that and I suppose in terms of They've been scoring so many goals recently. They'll be disappointed not to have at least got one. And as well with with Shawnee's last uh, last home game, he he'd be very disappointed personally not to have got one. But uh, he has the perfect opportunity going away to Cyprus in stifling heat, which will be uh, I suppose not not a, not an exact replica of today, where there was a bit of a bit of a sea breeze, but it was certainly very sunny today. So uh, maybe they'll they'll have had a dress rehearsal there. But uh, yeah, it's going to be extremely difficult, uh, particularly with the conditions. But uh, you know fairy tale you never know let's stick our necks out here then and make a couple of predictions with these games I reckon I'm just looking at the three games at the moment I reckon we will see a, a nice little fairy tale end into it I think Shawnee Maguire is going to bail them out I think Cork will go through I think Cork will, uh, will beat them um, and I worry for the other two teams I, I was a lot more confident up until the second half of the Dundalk game I worry for them I think there's a good chance Rosenberg will, will completely surprise uh, most people who watched last week and, and actually turn in a, a much more solid performance um, and I think Rovers will struggle in that away game so I'm going, I'm going with Cork to go through the other two unfortunately to go out yeah I think I think they'll all score um, I think Cork certainly have a chance I think it'll be difficult and I think the heat might just be too much for them to score might be 1-1 might be 2-1 if they really go for it and might be two one. Sorry, Lernica. If they they really go for it, I think it's probably unlikely they'll get the win. But obviously, um, Shawnee Maguire has done. He's uh, proved so many people wrong. You you can't discount them. But um, in terms of Dundalk, I have the most hope for Dundalk. I think that they they'll go over there. They won't. They're not going to fear anybody. They're certainly not going to. They're not going to change their style of play. They're going to be absolutely livid to have conceded that goal. And I think that they they will score. And I think they could easily keep a clean sheet against the Rosenberg team, who have struggled domestically against teams that you know aren't aren't hugely celebrated as being the best the best teams in Norway so uh, it's certainly there for them it's it's probably Rosenberg's biggest game of the season it's Dundalk's biggest game of the season so it's it's going to be an interesting one to watch uh, Rovers I again I think they'll score I think it's unlikely they're going to score three goals because I think they will concede as well 
So I think they could possibly win the game, but they won't win the tie. So yeah. I'd go with Rovers will go out, Cork will go out, and I think Dundalk will go through. Yeah, we're both in agreement that Rovers will go out anyway. The other two we're holding out hope for in some capacity. Um, just to mention then the domestic games on the Friday, we go back to uh, the first round of games again. So uh, Bowes versus Derry, Galway versus Drogheda, Pats versus Bray. I think I'll go along to that actually. Are you going to anything this week? Um, I haven't decided yet. I'd say I'll probably be back at Dalyman Park for Bowes and Derry. Right. Uh, you have also got Dundalk Rovers, which is likely to be uh, likely to be cancelled. I would think. Yeah. Well, Rovers won't be back until probably Friday, so it's be pushed out. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Limerick Sligo is the game on the Saturday then, and then in the division one, Cabin Teeley, Shelburne, UCD versus Athlone, Waterford versus Cove, and Wexford versus Longford. Um, if I was going to push you then for a prediction on, on one game, if you're, if you're going along to Bose, how, how do you reckon that one's going to go down, Bose Derry? It's interesting because I watched them in the first game of the season and Derry just blew Bowes away. Bowes played 4-4-2. I think it just didn't suit them at all. Derry, with their pace uh, from out wide, they had, I think they had Curtis and Daniels on the two flanks that night. And uh, Patterson went off injured earlier uh, in the game. Uh, Boyle came on. He was a scored twice as well he was a handful they just overwhelmed Bowles I think with their their pace pace out wide haven't seen Derry in the last few weeks I think the confidence has just completely dipped there I don't think they're they're playing with any sort of um, real fluency at all they have a few injuries that aren't really helping either they have players coming back from injury I I think Bowles will I think Bowles will nick this one I think from what I've seen of Bowles this season they, they'll have too much in midfield they they don't have an awful lot of pace or anything up front, but they do have that the creativity award. They have Corcoran who'll score any chance he's given really. So I just think that they'll it might be it might be a quite open game, but I think I think Bowles will nick it. Maybe maybe two one. Nice. Uh, looking ahead, I would say I'd probably head along to Pats and Bray as I mentioned there. I seem to get a new sort of reiteration of Bray every time I go see them. I went up when they played Rovers the first game of the season and they beat them 4-1. I saw them being smashed a bit 5-1, 5-2, 5-2 by Limerick um, down in the showgrounds. Was it 5-3? Yeah. Yeah, I got, there was too many goals to remember in that game. Yeah. It was madness. Um, and then I, I don't know what, what to expect this time. I'd be... Going with a score draw to be safe on that one uh, with Pats and, and Bray just because I don't think either can particularly keep a clean sheet most of the time. But yeah, it's always a safe bet. Yeah, I, I just think I haven't watched Pats last Friday. If Pats play anything like that, I think they they will certainly have enough to at least draw the game. I'd say it was, it was the best I've seen of Pats all this season. They, they could beat more or less anyone apart from Cork and, Cork and Dundalk with that performance. So I'd, I'd be hopeful of Pats winning. Right, we'll leave it there for this week. You can get us on at Extra Time News on Facebook and Twitter. And the email address, if you want to send in any comments or anything like that, is extratimelive at gmail.com. Thanks, Dave. You're up. And uh, yeah, we'll speak to you again soon.